As we move through the final half hour of our show here on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM. For the first time this year, we welcome back uh, our friend Yael Lasowski of the Consumer Choice Center, uh, host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show, which airs at 10 a.m. on Saturdays here on The Big Talker FM. Yael, it was too early to uh, play this as the in of our conversation here on this Friday. Too early for this uh, tune from the Talking Heads burning down the house? Uh, yeah, it might be a bit too soon. Uh, I don't. I hope there won't be any more fires uh, for the moment. But uh, let, let's uh, let's hope for peace and good things to come in the next couple of weeks. But uh, great to be talking with you, Joe. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Last year, you know, we weren't really dealing with it uh, here, here in the states, uh, but there were missiles flying and uh, you know uh, airliners getting shot down. It was uh, Iran, I, I believe, uh, that was engaged in that uh, World War Three activity. That we didn't necessarily play out uh, the first week of the new year 2020. So uh, only uh, we could think uh, what is going to happen here through the rest of the 51 weeks left in uh, 2021. Yeah, it's a it's a nice little barnstorming to begin the year. Uh, definitely, I know that you've been busy at the phones all week. You've had a lot of people calling in. I know your your fingers have been pretty busy and your mouth has been busy too, Joe. So uh, I know a lot of people there in the in the Cape Fear region really have a lot to say, and it's uh, it's been great to listen all week, by the way. So I think uh, very educated listeners. They're definitely following the news, and I think they're getting a lot of their their information from here and from many other sources. So that's great. And ultimately, we're just trying to you know use this platform as a sounding board so you know we could uh, well learn one what many people are thinking and uh, their thoughts on the day and the issues of the hour uh, but also trying to frame it in many different ways i mean al you know my beliefs you know the people i support the stuff uh, that uh, goes with me and doesn't flow with me you know me fairly well and uh, i've tried to do my best over the last uh, couple of days to try and put it all into perspective and i hope uh, you know and there there are always going to be haters out there and there are always going to be lovers out there and i'm trying to find some middle ground here not that i want to make anyone happy here, but uh, i just want to try and get my viewpoint out with Without uh, having, uh, well, I guess, to st- I, well, ultimately to stir things up a little bit, but also to uh, truly lay out uh, some, uh, I don't know, common sense type of thought in this uh, chaotic world that we're living in. Yeah, I think the the thoughts that we've heard all week from many of your listeners and and other people is, you know, there's there's different ways to interpret what's happening. I mean, I saw the barnstorming at the Capitol uh, in in pretty dire terms, if you ask me. I I know that uh, some people might disagree, and I know your last caller uh, talked about, you know, as a way that they can have their grievance heard. Uh, I think there are are better ways than pushing down uh, Capitol Hill police officers and uh, rummaging through the gates and uh, breaking into offices. Uh, I think that's a whole other concern. But man, it, it's uh, it really is an exit for for President Trump. I uh, I mentioned this on the Consumer Choice Radio program that'll air this weekend. It's kind of like that flight attendant who had just had it with his job. Uh, you know, he took the two bottles of champagne, popped the corks, and slid down the emergency slide and and gave the finger. That's what I feel like uh, this kind of final few weeks of the Trump administration is is kind of like is just really given that fat middle finger. Uh, to all all norms, all expectations of what presidents are supposed to do. And uh, it was a pretty scary moment, you know, really uh, back on Wednesday. So I think it, it gave us a lot to think about. And I don't know if it'll go back to normal, as as you mentioned, and as your, your caller said before, but uh, we're definitely 
things are going to be turned down a notch. It'll go from about 11 to probably about 7, I think. And with that said, you know, I would refer to the movie Half-Baked when uh, the guy here at the, you know, the, the Spanish guy here out of the trio or the quartet that is in the movie Half-Baked, if you ever saw it, uh, from the college days. And, uh, you know, he's like, F you, F you, F you, I like you, F you, I'm out. That's uh, the comparison you're cool. I would use. You're, yeah. 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 Wow, Joe, great reference. Uh, you're, you've definitely you've made it to my, my top six on MySpace now that you've made that reference. I love it. And, uh, you know, obviously it's uh, – and, and uh, you know, it's – you want to compare it, you can say it's apples to apples, oranges to oranges. Uh, those lawmakers, though, whether you know, which we don't condone the violence, I get it. Those lawmakers did, though, yeah, yeah, and you know, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. It did get a little taste of a lot of business people have been feeling like uh, for what a year as they watched uh, biz- their businesses crumble, whether it be through rioters and looting or government overreach. Got a little taste of what life has been like in Middle America for the better part of ten months. Yeah, and there's no doubt that there's been a lot of pain in communities. You know, specifically having visited Wilmington, you know, just a few months ago and having seen, you know, the not even being able to have a beer outside uh, because of the regulations and so many other businesses that are shut and really no plans uh, to get them back open and to allow people to safely open, which is a travesty. Really, though, when it comes to storming the Capitol, again, uh, I'm all in on petitioning government. I'm all in on the freedom to assemble. Uh, but when you kind of do it in this haphazard way, and look, I don't think this was an evil conniving plot. You know, we saw many of the the photos and images of people uh, walking through in an orderly fashion between the velvet ropes. Uh, but, you know, this was done because of an egging on of President Trump. And uh, we can't forget that. And, you know, we not we don't have that power, Joe. You or I don't have that power. You have the power of broadcasting, no doubt. Uh, but you don't have the kind of uh, moral position of being of the president of a country. And I saw whatever I saw on my television. Uh, to me, I, I didn't weep. Uh, believe me, I've wept uh, many a days and nights in the last year, not just because I'm a, I'm a young dad, but also because of just what's happened in the country. And, you know, to sort of see whatever you think about decorum, whatever you think about the rule of law, to kind of see the capital invaded like that, which is a seat of government, um, you know, I, I'm someone who detests government power as much as anyone else. I think it was just a step too far. I think it, it really is, a, to me at least, a little bit of demagoguery. Uh, we saw what happened with Trump. It was a lot about passion and people. And, you know, what happened at the very end, Trump came out in a very nice little, uh, whatever it was, press conference or video and, and basically reneged on everything that he had said. Uh, so I know there are a lot of people who are very passionate about this. I would hope they would turn all of their their anger, their spirits, their inspiration, their passion, turn it to really trying to change the country. I think that's what I've been trying to do. That's what my colleagues do. That's what you do, Joe. I think there are better ways to do it. And there are ways to protest. And there are ways to use the market uh, to actually deliver people alternatives. You don't necessarily need to be barnstorming uh, the Capitol. I, I know there's, there's a lot that's been said and written on that. Uh, I saw it as... Uh, very upsetting. We, we don't want that. We don't want that in Raleigh. We don't want it in D.C. Uh, we do definitely want a revolution in the way we think about policy and the way that we want the country to move forward. And I think that's why you and I both, Joe, are very active in what we do every day. 
I think the sentiment for a lot of people as it kind of has bubbled over, well, the the election obviously did not go the way that, uh, you know, Trump supporters would have hoped. But I think that was kind of the, you know, the straw or or, or the final cherry on top uh, for the better part of Yael four years. Uh, supporters of President Trump has ta- have taken it on the chin. Uh, you know, marriages have been broken up. Uh, you know, uh, siblings are not talking to one another uh, based on one guy's uh, you know rise to the top uh, of uh, you know our highest level of government. And for four years, you know, they felt they never got a good shake. And again, not to talk about the the Capitol and what went on there, but you know when. 300 400,000 people turn out to support the guy with the election and uh, you know I think they're not that the election would have been turned over and it wouldn't have uh, the certification was going to move forward Wednesday you know, no matter what uh, they had the votes and whatever they had the numbers but I think when it comes to the election process, Yael, we've laid out many cases here through four, five, six months that are troubling when it comes to how states uh, you know, circumvented their own laws to move forward with it making it easier one way or the other. I know you're a big proponent of mail-in ballots, and, and you cast a ballot uh, through email uh, here in the United States. Uh, what was it? Cabarrus County. Uh, I think, though, it went really quickly, and uh, when the judges and there are lawyers changing laws, does that not circumvent uh, uh, what law and order stands for, the integrity of our elections? In a way, yes, Um, and I did hear that argument on the House floor on Wednesday, but again, this was not what was being discussed in the time after the election, right? This is something that was brought up in some weeks prior, and some state legislators, uh, principally in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, in Georgia, did bring that up. And I, I do think it's at least something to debate, but, you know, we don't have government by state legislators and we don't have government by Congress only. We have divided government through different branches that interact and really figure out how we interpret the Constitution and how it, it kind of messes with our, our daily lives and whether laws can be considered constitutional. I think there'll be a lot of bickering, uh, but you know, this was brought up in courts again and again. That's maybe a question to revisit in the future because courts can only act on legislation and the constitution. You know, they can't really make their own decisions and we don't want them to necessarily. We don't want them to be able to create their own laws and, and be legislating from the bench. That's something that uh, particularly a lot of center right people have been very critical of Uh, many people who are promoting this kind of judicial philosophy. And that's why Amy Coney Barrett uh, was able to fly through her Supreme Court confirmation is because she did not believe in that either. I think there's a lot there. A broader point, Joe, is that, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing about it matters who your social circle is and who you really think the, quote, opposition is, right? Because I think there are a lot of people in North Carolina who are tuned into MSNBC all day, believe me, I have plenty of these people in my life, and who have one idea of who the opposition is, and then you have others who might listen to talk radio or might uh, you know, watch Fox News and have another idea. And it really is this, this kind of strange thing where everyone's kind of right. There are centers of power. Academia definitely uh, tends to tilt left. Large media organizations tend to tilt left. Hollywood is left. Uh, and then generally the people are center-right. And this is the kind of balance that we have to try to rise against. It's not to say that we burn the whole thing down, but it's to recognize that and figure out how do we can tailor our message and better our message so that we can get through to these people. I think this uh, you know, fear of the other is, is a big thing that's discussed, but the oppositions, whether real or imagined, 
thinking about that and finding ways to actually really come together with people we disagree with on various policy stuff, I think it's going to be really important the next couple of years. Uh, I think for fans of divided government like myself, I'd love to see the institutions uh, sort of fight against each other because I think that's the best way to preserve liberty. Uh, it's really going to be an interesting fireworks show. Uh, but I think everything the last four years have taught us is that now we have uh, the information, we have this in history, we can say, okay, we understood what happened when uh, various sectors of the government went against the president, when you had foreign intelligence agencies trying to penetrate things and our own domestic intelligence agencies both going against them and the president and the executive. I mean, there's so much that has happened in the four years. I think people are more enlightened. Uh, I do think that might change things, hopefully for the better. But we never know these days, Joe. All that we can hope for is that people can become more informed and people can continue to uh, exercise some of the liberty that we've been granted as uh, American citizens by the grace of God or the Constitution or whatever you might believe in. Well, having followed, of course, the world of politics uh, as uh, work for the better part of uh, 20 years, uh, it is always one of those times, you know, when you, your side, if, if you want to put it that way, you know, takes one on the chin that uh, there's a time there where you feel a little shell-shocked, you got a little bit of a gut punch, and uh, then there is a way in which you kind of uh, figure out what your identity is going to be moving forward. Uh, what does the Republican Party look like uh, moving forward? There are a lot of uh, you know, young people, well-known people within the, the realms of the GOP, people that uh, are in the rank and file right now coming up through state legislators or even you know analysts and uh, pundits out there, particularly young people, I think, uh, that are going to guide uh, the right uh, long after all of this is said and done. When we talk about Trumpism, you know, 70 million people voted for the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's not going anywhere. I mean, uh, you know, that they're going to have a, a say as to what goes on uh, right side of the political scale, I think, for a long, long time. It's not going anywhere. You know, the, the MAGA, if you want to you know, label it as that, uh, those types of mindsets. I mean, I'm one of those types of mindsets that says we need to be doing things like calling out the World Health Organization, sticking it to China, uh, you know, trying to lower the tax burden on American citizens, making sure that our borders are secure. These are all things that President Trump, uh, you know, bigger than the man, uh, the policies that many of these people support. Yeah, and I think there, there's definitely a lot of things that certainly I agreed on with Trump and many of my colleagues did. Uh, when it comes to the World Health Organization, that's definitely it. Uh, really, when it comes down to getting rid of the, the huge administrative regulatory state and getting rid of the burdens for many of our businesses and for consumers as well, so we can lower prices. But the trade wars and everything else were also disastrous. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us, uh, especially if you're interested in politics and you believe in uh, your ideas, you know, look at what's happening in your local community. I know you hit upon that message a lot, Joe, and I think for the GOP in North Carolina, uh, you know, there might be a lot of people who might feel defeated after Election Day. But look, Republicans still control the state legislature in North Carolina. There's still a lot of things that can be done. Uh, as far as I know, most regulations that impact your daily life are right there at the local level. And there's a lot that can be done. I don't know what's going to happen with the influence of someone like Madison Cawthorn, uh, who's from out in Hickory there in the western part of the state, uh, who's definitely an influential voice now in the <laughs> guys. Guys, almost a you know a decade younger than me now. Uh, you know, someone's going to be very influential in Washington, and we have to try to ensure that you know these are the type of people that we can influence in our own state. 
And I would hope it would be towards a way that will allow more freedom for individuals, for consumers. Uh, but, you know, it's not a, a total defeat if you are a center-right-minded person or a philosophy. Uh, there's a lot of, of great momentum that we have, especially in North Carolina. There's a lot of great things that we can still do here. You know, we can get rid of the ABC monopoly. You know, we can try to lower taxes. We can try to promote things like school choice, uh, things that are already being done at the state level and may accelerate. Uh, obviously, Governor Cooper will be an obstacle for much of that, uh, but there are always tools and methods, and I, I think really the people of North Carolina have it within us to, to try to change that locally. Uh, we can keep our chins up. There's a lot of great things to fight for, and it, it doesn't end just because of an election and a new year. I think there's a lot of stuff to, that we can really be hopeful about. And with that said, uh, you know, uh, to put it in perspective, uh, that we always encourage people to live their lives, you know, that the, the political world government, uh, and this is the large case I try to make to, to people who are on the left that believe more government, more centralized power is the way to go. We need more, bigger, and, uh, you know, more taxes and more regulations on this, that, or the other for whatever reason, you know, mainly those ideals on the left side of the spectrum that, uh, you know, if we compartmentalize this and we have more of a limited government, uh, which... Uh, you know, propels uh, more freedom and individuality and more of that core community-oriented spirit. You know, we're not looking up to Washington for to be the be-all and end-all. And that's uh, kind of where the divide is, in my mind, and in some cases. Because, you know, President Trump, I know stretch of the imagination, was a fiscal conservative as to the way he went about his business. You can look at the national debt. Uh, but I think uh, for myself... You know, fundamentally, who is tight with my uh, wallet because, well, one, I don't have much money. Uh, maybe that's the reason why I'm tight with my wallet. But nonetheless, you know, I would like my government to act the way kind of I do and the way in which I try and deliver my everyday life. Definitely. And I don't even think it's an ideological point. I think it is a uniquely American point of view that we believe that we can flourish the best when we have the least amount of burdens, uh, whether they be regulatory or legal or otherwise. I think we have that in our in our country. It's in our blood. It's why, you know, we're looking at the newest richest person in the world right now is Elon Musk, uh, who was born in South Africa and who made his way to the United States of America, and now the richest person on the history of the earth because of his innovations, because of his ability to actually deliver through entrepreneurship. Uh, that's something that was not done, uh, you know, at the ordering of some government bureau. It really was because of the sheer creativity and individualistic nature of our country that allowed that to happen. So I, I really see that we can do that in so many different areas. Again, it's not going to matter who occupies the White House or, or the State House or anything else. We really just need to make sure that people can make their own decisions for themselves and their families. And look, the people are doing that on their own anyway. Uh, a lot of things uh, might come from the governor's office telling you you're not allowed to do this and that. Uh, but people know how to live their lives safely and responsibly. We can continue on doing that, Joe. I, I know uh, we faced some dark days in 2020 together. Uh, we were able to, to share some laughs and some drinks over some of them, but now we can uh, move forward. A lot of great momentum. Big talkers doing well. I think the state's doing well, and the country will do well again. I got to say, though, not as well as the freedom-loving state of Florida. Ugh. Talk about, uh, you know, the oh, man, I, I only said it once today. Yeah, I said it 10 times on Monday yeah, coming off the break. I, I've weaned myself down to just one time today. Boy, do I love the Sunshine State. Talk about bureaucracy. so many snowbirds all the <laughs> so, same, too, so same. I, I totally agree. Especially the snowboard, the snowbirds literally from uh, north of the border. Uh, too bad that well, that's why maybe I liked it a little bit uh, better when I went down there just a little while ago. There were no Canadians down there driving. The worst drivers in the world, uh, Canadians, by the way. 
the English Canadians. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lastly, you talk about bureaucracies, and uh, you know, if there's any case uh, to talk about why we need more limited government, obviously, 2020 will show us the uh, prime example number one with the the rollout now of the vaccinations, uh, the whole COVID lockdown. I mean, this should be like uh, plastered everywhere. <laughs> Think you want more government? Look to 2020 and uh, how it ruined everyone's lives over the science and the data. When we look at uh, you know how these bureaucracies are rolling out uh, the vaccinations across the country, I mean, how are other countries, and is it to no surprise that they are blasting past uh, the United States as far as getting their populations vaccinated much more quickly and efficiently outside of maybe the freedom-loving state of Florida, the U.S. Uh, trailing uh, many other countries in getting you know the vaccinations out to the people who need it most? Yeah, it's the most interesting paradox ever. You know, you have the great uh, American machine of innovation that is able to collaborate internationally and come up with vaccines. And the second that it hits the bureaucracy, it sinks, it's slowed down. Uh, you have Andrew Cuomo, who comes with a nice five finger slap on the whole process, you know, trying to charge fines for people who don't get the give the vaccine in an orderly fashion. Uh, it's been really bad to see in, in some states. I know that in California and Oregon and even New Hampshire, they're talking about racial equity as an important measure of who will get the vaccine first. Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff is what happens when we just allow government to grow too large. And then it's all ideology and political concerns that will govern who gets that jab in the arm. And I think that that's that's really sad. You know, if we look at Israel, if we look at the United Arab Emirates, even the United Kingdom, they're actually able to vaccinate so many more people. Uh, you have to imagine, you know, the UK did not produce the vaccine that everyone is using now, at least the Pfizer vaccine. And yet they were able to approve it first. They were able to get people uh, to have that vaccine first. And the United States is lagging behind. I know states like Florida are doing a better job. They're doing it in a decentralized way, empowering hospitals to do it. But we need to allow pharmacies to be handing this stuff out. And you know what? Maybe we do need to sell it at 10 bucks a pop so we can figure out a better way to distribute this. Because the way it is now, it's a total bottleneck. Uh, we don't want an Andrew Cuomo type uh, personality figuring out whether or not you're going to get the vaccine. Because uh, you're always going to end up a loser in that situation. But let's look at innovation. Let's look at all the awesome decentralization. I know you've seen the memes, Joe, but if we were, you know, were able to hand over distribution of the vaccine to something like CVS or Amazon or even Uber Eats, uh, it would be way more uh, impressive and, and I guess <laughs> be out in a much better way than it is now. So I do hope we can continue to innovate. And, and hopefully by March, Joe, we can have this conversation in the studio because all restrictions will be done. Everything's back to normal. Everybody's vaccinated up. And uh, we can finally get on with business and get out of this uh, terrible dark age, this dark cloud that uh, emanated from Wuhan, China so many months ago. So figuratively, we should be burning down the house, not physically, you know, as uh, to sum up our conversation this morning. Or build as many houses as possible. Okay. Unlimited. Uh, I like burning down things. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always a pleasure, my friend. I can't wait to catch up next week. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Joe. All the best. Consumer Choice Radio airs, of course, on Saturdays uh, right here at 10 a.m. on the Big Talker FM.